Welcome to the Frontline Herbalism Podcast with your host Nicole Rose from the Solidarity Apothecary. This is your place for all things plants and liberation. Let's get started. Hello, how's it going? Welcome back to the Frontline Herbalism Podcast. So I am going to be sharing the audio version of a workshop that I did recently. Um, you can find it on my website for free. You can watch the kind of webinar with the and see the slides. You can also download all the slides and the pictures and find all the links and also find like a transcript. So I haven't transcribed this podcast. But what I've done is I've split the webinar into three parts. And as if by time travel, I'm going to be publishing them while I'm taking a two-week holiday, which is pretty exciting. So yeah, so this is a replay of a webinar that took place on Sunday the 7th of May. Um, about state repression, trauma and the body. It was really kindly hosted by the Civil Liberties Defense Center um, in the so-called US. And it was organized by um, friend and anarchist Cindy Milsign in solidarity with the movement to stop Cop City, which is a real huge struggle at the moment in Atlanta in the so-called US. Um, so the webinar We'll introduce the traumatic dynamics of state repression and the important role of solidarity and care in mitigating the violence of the state. We will explore how trauma can affect the body and common ways we express distress from nightmares to panic attacks. We will look at what we can do to reduce the risks of PTSD and build collective strength when resisting repression. Um, so yeah, it's been split into three and the first part is all about the repression um, that I experienced. So it's looking at some of the personal impacts and also the movement impacts. And then part two is going to be looking at trauma and the body, what is trauma, common trauma dynamics and how the body expresses distress. And part three is going to be looking at collective responses to that. Um, and yeah, just like a general content warning that I'm talking about all the things to do with repression. So prison, trauma, um, I'm not sure what else, but yeah, just a kind of heads up that it's potentially quite heavy and upsetting for some people. Um, and yeah, just a reminder again that you can find it on my website for free at solidarityapothecary.org. And if you can hear this little grunting animal, it's our rescue dog, Bo, who's just in the background while I'm recording this. Okay, anyway, enjoy the first part of the series. So yeah, I hope you enjoy it and I hope it is useful. And I will put the links in the show notes for where you can access the workshop so you can see the slides and get the transcript and all the other resources mentioned. Okay, enjoy. Now I'm going to turn it over to Milstein, who will give us a, a, a more robust introduction to the webinar today. <laughs> I Thank you, Hava. Um, that's what I was going to start out with um, a note of gratitude to the Center, Civil Liberties Defense Center, and Hava for hosting this, and Hava for willingness to do tech um, and be here today. And um, I want to welcome everybody else. I'm sorry we're getting started a little late, um, but I'll dive right into it. Um, I'm Cindy Milstein, and um, I invited uh, Nicole Rose to do this webinar on state repression, trauma, and the body as part of my own ongoing solidarity efforts for um, Stop Cop City. Um, for those who don't know who are joining this call today, um, Stop Cop City is one slogan for a powerful, decentralized, diverse movement centering around so-called Atlanta, Georgia. 
It's an enormous proposed police training facility. I think it's the largest in the so-called United States, if it were ever to be built. And it is proposed to be built on the grounds of the Wilani Forest, which is a reclaimed name for um, the indigenous lands that have been stolen and may be stolen again. For some two years, this movement has explicitly interwoven a host of issues that are destroying the world, such as capitalism, colonialism, prisons and police, anti-Blackness and racism, climate catastrophe, and we could go on and on. But it's what's been really lovely about it, from, and for myself and many others, it's imaginatively and ecologically acted as if the world we want is already here. And that's inspired solidarity around the globe and similar struggles elsewhere, which means that the state is cracking down on it. Um, so I want to um, just move into a bit of framing and then introduce Nicole. And um, I also just want to add one other housekeeping thing. This is being recorded. So if you want to go back and listen later or share it with friends, great. That's wonderful. So um, I really want to acknowledge there's been a really remarkable outpouring of voluntaristic self-organized solidarity for those who are facing the current state repression and violence that is being directed at Defend the Walani Forest. And um, that solidarity has been and continues to be beautiful to witness. Um, one example of that is this webinar today. Again, thank you to Hava who set this up and, um, and also to Nicole. Um, they're both examples of, of us trying to figure out imaginative ways to do solidarity. Um, and despite our solidarity, um, state repression and violence takes a huge toll legally, financially, logistically, and on and on, but also emotionally and on our bodies. This webinar is one offering toward what I like to see as self-organized harm reduction and collective care, which to my mind is essential as part of our community self-defense. State repression and violence aim, as many of us know, among other things, to inflict trauma as a way to get us to hurt ourselves, to hurt each other, and to organizing and hence crush our spirits and our struggles and our movements. Too oft happened to us within what's being called slogan, Stop Cop City and the movement around it. Other compelling examples these days of building the world in the middle of this one. To that end, we're going to do, lend us wisdom and solidarity today. Nicole is an anarchist organizer, herbalist, and abolitionist, and an incredible human being who focuses on supporting people uh, experiencing state violence. Some 20 years ago, she was in prison for 3.5 years as part of a huge wave of state repression against people trying to close down one of Europe's largest animal testing companies. Plants sustained her in prison, and she's been supporting incarcerated folks ever since her own release. She wrote The Prisoner's Herbal Book, for instance, and currently throws herself into two inspiring mutual aid projects, a mobile herbal clinic and Solidarity Apothecary, which is co-hosting this webinar. So I'm about to turn over to Nicole in a minute, but first I wanna share two paragraphs that Nicole wrote because I think they embody why Nicole has so inspired me and why I feel such love and solidarity toward her beyond borders, even though we have never met in person yet. This is from an essay about Solidarity Apothecary, and now I'm quoting Nicole for the next paragraph. For me, anarchist organizing isn't just about helping prepare people for their trials or time in prison. It's not just sharing their addresses publicly to generate letters and fundraising to meet their material needs. It's also about expressing care, 
unlearning machismo, and actually talking about the effects of state violence on our bodies, relationships, and movements. And it's about recognizing that care and solidarity comes from non-humans too, that plants can directly support us in surviving this world. And one last paragraph, um, this is from the Instagram for Solidarity Apothecary, um, which, and it was written almost exactly a year ago when Nicole was aiding folks forced across borders due to war. So again, I'm quoting. In Poland at the herbal space, I met a Ukrainian woman who told me her and her husband make rose tincture from roses in her garden back home. I told her we have rose tincture and I took it from the stack of drawers we have and she started to cry. No amount of tincture could take away the pain of leaving her husband behind to fight a Russian invasion. But I was glad in that moment I could pass something to her that showed her we cared, that we are with her, and that Rose is available to hold her tears through grief, rage, and pain. On to Nicole. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for the um, invitation to be here and all the tech hosting and everything. Um, appreciate that. And I reckon you will make me cry, see, at some point. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, I will put um, I will upload these slides to my website and share them around so people can um, can download them for like later use. So don't worry about taking notes or anything. Um, so just a little overview. I'll share a couple of practical things and then share a little bit about myself and my experience of repression. Um, and then I'll talk about some of the like dynamics of state repression and what makes them like particularly traumatizing. Um, and then we'll kind of look at how trauma can affect the body and like common ways we express distress and then a little bit about the roles of solidarity and care in like mitigating some of the state violence um, and like collective responses to traumatic stress and then finally we'll talk about some plants at the end um, and then we'll do the question and answers but for now like if people have um, questions you're welcome to put them in the chat and at the moment if it's okay to have like clarifying questions so if I've said something that you don't understand or um isn't clear just let me know and then we can have like more kind of discussion at the end um okay so yeah so I'm really grateful for everyone being here um people aren't able to chat in, like to discuss like things in the chat because of safeguarding defendants who are not allowed to talk to each other um and yeah, I will try and edit the recording and put it on my website in the next few weeks um and yeah just like a content warning that like there will be like quite like random ad hoc references very traumatic things whether that's like um like imprisonment or being arrested or different things or like also the connection to kind of like culture stuff will be mentioned um as well so I just yeah I I just want to kind of give like a generic Content warning, but it's not like the easiest topic. Um, yeah, and in terms of care, like I will not be offended if people leave, like there will be a recording. Um, it's totally normal to like dissociate and like switch off when hearing about distressing things. So don't, yeah, don't panic about missing content if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, I would really encourage you to find something to support you through the call, whether that's a plan or a partner or a doggy or whatever just like yeah because like I said it's all very explicit things to do with um very traumatizing forces in the world um and yeah maybe having like a talk with a friend or a comrade or debriefing afterwards could help or 
yeah, writing, feeling down or just moving in general. And I'm going to talk about this in this like trauma response framework. Um, so yeah, just some disclaimers. So this is like an absolutely like massive topic. And like I've just released this PTSD course with like 60 hours of content on this subject. So this is like such a mini version of it. Um, and I want to say that like it's only like one lens of state violence, like in terms of like political repression of grassroots campaigns and that there are like countless, countless, countless other forms of state violence, um, whether that's borders or policies that, you know, create poverty, like, or yeah, all sorts of things. So this is just like one little specific topic. And yeah, I want to acknowledge that like the distribution of violence in the world and the distribution of oppression is not felt evenly, right? Like groups of people who are racialized or have disabilities or have diverse genders, like are experiencing oppression and violence differently. Um, and obviously class is a huge factor. So yeah, I just want to hold space for that and also acknowledge that this is my context, like in a very kind of like specific UK focus. Um, and yeah, and that there's been repression against people pushing for liberation, like since the dawn of the state, right? Um, and I want to acknowledge that like, that, you know, this context like that I'm going to talk about in terms of my own life is, is like in this, UK context but like really the British state has like mastered the art of like what I call like statecraft like through colonialism like through colonizing like half the planet and you know like using tools like prisons and arresting people as weapons for like generations um so yeah I just wanted to like name those things um so about me I use she her pronouns um my lineage is English Welsh and Irish um, I've been like a kind of DIY herbalist for over a decade and then did like formal clinical training with an amazing school in Ireland called the Plant Medicine School. And I run a project called the Solidarity Apothecary. Um, and I've been navigating kind of traumatic stress and PTSD like since childhood. And then also from this kind of 10 years of repression, um, Cindy like gracefully aged me 10 years older than I am. Um, I was actually 21 when it all kind of kicked off and I'm 35 now but um I have been supporting people in prison for nearly 20 years for my sins um so the solidarity apothecary I can read all about it on the website but the mission is to materially support revenue struggles and communities with plant medicines to strengthen collective autonomy self-defense and resilience to climate change capitalism and state violence um and that looks like sending kind of packages of herbal medicine to people experiencing state violence that might be like someone going through a trial it might be someone getting out of prison i also offer like one-to-one -one support um and yeah also distributing this prisoner's herbal book to people in prison worldwide um and like cindy mentioned working with refugees in france and people resisting this like genocidal reinvasion of ukraine um by the russian state and yeah and i also have podcasts blah 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 but the main thing I do is prisoner support and like engaging in struggles for a world without prison um all right so I'm gonna gonna dive in um so yeah in terms of um yeah my race so in 2007 I got my house raided amongst like 32 other people that were involved in a grassroots campaign to close down Europe's largest animal testing company um, and the campaign was called Shack Stop Huntington Animal Cruelty. And Shack was extremely effective at bringing this laboratory to its absolute knees, like politically and economically um, and practically. And that kind of generated like a massive response from the British state. 
Um, so there were like mass arrests, house raids, um, you know, heavy, heavy policing on demonstrations, people having their ribs broken. Um, yeah, just really kind of huge amounts of cops for very small amounts of people. Um, heavy police surveillance. So I was under surveillance for two years um, by like a full surveillance team. Um, and yeah, we also had undercover police in our group and informants. Um, sorry, I'm just going to catch my breath. The British state also really um, developed this strategy of working with the media. They had this NECU, National Extremism Tactical Coordination Unit, who would like continuously pump out press releases in order to make us look, um, you know, violent terrorists or whatever narratives they wanted to use. But it was very effective in turning kind of public support against us. Um, they tried to sabotage our kind of like personal relationships. Um, I had a partner at the time and we traced like an IP address back from some forum where like people were saying he'd been cheating on me and all this sort of stuff. And it was just like we traced it back to the cops and yeah, they were always doing this kind of like nonsense to destroy the kind of core group involved in the campaign. Um, they brought in like very specific new legislation to criminalize us. Um, and yeah, they sent a bunch of us to prison. I think when I was in, there was maybe 12 of us inside at the same time. Um, and yeah, and they also used like restrictive bail conditions, like pre-prison where we weren't allowed to talk to each other or other people. Um, and they also used those tactics when we got out of prison. So I think I'd talk about this in a minute, but um, yeah, I kind of got out of prison and wasn't allowed to talk to like 99% of my friends for nearly two years um, because they said I wasn't allowed to talk to anyone concerned with animal welfare. Um, and I'm going to talk about like the like movement effects of this repression, but ultimately like it have this kind of like pacification strategy of like funneling like very militant, very effective organizing into like much more kind of liberal uh liberal approaches to animal liberation in my political perspective um so yeah so like I said about um having my house raided um three times uh, being arrested several times um had my first boyfriend got sent to prison when I was 16 years old um and then I had another one go to prison when I was 18 and was supporting him inside and then yeah it's kind of been like an ongoing journey of having loved ones and comrades like in the prison system um, over the last 19 years or something um, and yeah so I got sentenced to a three and a half year sentence reduced from five and a half years um, so in the UK you generally serve half the time so I served 21 months um, and yeah and then had like I said this license where I had all these conditions of when I got out um, and then in England we have these things called an ASPO which sounds really ridiculous but it's this antisocial behavior order and it's just like a kind of imposed restriction on what you can do so I was kind of like effectively taken out of action of organizing against like vivisection for like five years otherwise I would risk going back to prison for five years so like the whole kind of thing was like about a decade of my life being controlled by these conditions not being like, like being able to travel um, not being able to talk to people I loved etc etc um but you know like I'm aware that there's like amazing support campaigns like especially in the so-called US for people from like Stockholm City um but at the time in the movement like there really wasn't organized support you know like I got out of the police station and there was like no one there to collect me for example there was no practical support there was no money for like you know court cases or transport or um we got sent money 
by an amazing group called the ALF Supporters Group. But other than that, there was really like no like official support campaign and people were like actively scared to be associated with you. So it wasn't even that people weren't organized to start a campaign. It was that they really didn't want to. Businesses uh, themselves, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, if anyone on here has like been in part of some sort of like, you know, joint trial or something, you'll know like the nuances and the complexities of like being on trial with a bunch of people that maybe you don't always feel like political affinity with. Um, and then, yeah, in general, there was like a kind of mixture of support when I was in prison. Some people were like incredible, but unfortunately, like the majority of friends kind of abandoned me, never wrote, never visited. Um, so, yeah, and I think it's worth naming that that is the experience for most people in prison. Like most people do not get any support at all. Um, okay, sorry, I just opened the chat because I think there was some questions. Oh, um, Okay, so yeah, in terms of like some of the personal impacts, like I've said about like the destruction of relationships, so like friendships, romantic relationships were all heavily impacted by like the chronic stress, the uncertainty, the like license conditions. Um, and also there's this like huge impact right on someone's nervous system. So I don't talk about like the nervous system much in this in this workshop, um, in the sense of like the language around like sympathetic or parasympathetic or being in fight or flight but I think it's kind of like common awareness now some of these terms but basically you're living in a state of kind of like hypervigilance and anxiety like all the time um <clears throat> I also experienced quite intense like PTSD post-traumatic stress from prisons so had kind of like chronic nightmares for about 10 years panic, panic attacks flashbacks like all of that stuff and then that kind of led to lots of like chronic health issues being in and out of hospital etc etc and it's only like since living through this stuff that I've acknowledged and linked it all back to these kind of forces of state violence um and then I put here yeah like, like loneliness and alienation um I think it's like one of the main things okay so there was also like movement impacts of the repression right so you know I'm a femme. I talk a lot about impacts on the body and relationships, but also like in terms of our political struggles, they were really like heavily impacted. So, you know, like our campaign was like effectively destroyed. The relationships within our campaigns were effectively destroyed. I, I think the movement took a very long time to recover. Like it's never got back to the same place. And ultimately, like, you know, I care about like the health of the movement, but we weren't able to achieve our goals, you know, like those animals in that lab are still being tortured like every single day and yeah that was because of the repression and our like you know inability to withstand it if that makes sense um and yeah there was just like in general this like broad culture of fear like I mentioned this like pacification of tactics um and ultimately like we lost people right we lost each other like huge amounts of people dropped out huge amounts of people burnt out and I'm you know I don't know where everyone is but I'm pretty much sure that people left those struggles because of trauma and health issues and lack of care and lack of support from other people. So that's why I'm really passionate about talking about this stuff. Um, thanks so much for listening to the Frontline Herbalism podcast. You can find the transcript, the links, all the resources from the show at solidarityapothecary.org forward slash podcast.